Welcome back. Richard, it's good to see you on this last weekend of March. Good morning. Good to see you too. Happy Saturday or whatever day it happens to be. <laughs> That's right. I think it's I think it's Saturday, the day that we're re- recording this. Um, and t- today we are going to um, we're, we're going to to approach a a topic that we've we've talked about before. And you know, it, it seems as though, uh, and we say this, I think every time we talk about ADHD, right. we say that you know, it just as you think, everything that could be possibly said about ADHD has been said. Here comes some more stuff. Right. I don't I don't even like to calculate when I first started studying ADHD because it's advanced math. You know, at some point um, the numbers get large. But you're right. You, you think the last you say surely the last word has been said about ADHD because there's so much written and talked about. And then every once in a while you run into one of these articles that you say, I, I need to share this with family members or patients or friends and say, hey, look, here's some really good stuff on eight, if, if your kids have ADHD, if you're struggling. And I have a lot of friends and family members who's, um, whose children are struggling uh, with ADHD, parents and children. Yeah. And uh, I send them um, the, these articles that, that I think are worth sharing. And here we are this week and we stumbled uh, upon another that I thought, oh, I've got to send this to family members or friends um, who are who are trying to manage kids with ADHD, because this is another one of those articles that's really, um, really adds so much information, so much useful information that parents, grandparents, and, and even teachers uh, would be able to use. So happy to share this with everybody. Absolutely. There, there will be a link in the show notes. It's from the Huffington Post, um, written by Marie Holmes, and it is just it's talking about things that parents of kids with ADHD need to know. And, you know, and it's so interesting because they're not really related to medication, which is the, the big question that we always get, you know, should I medicate my kid or should I not medicate my child? And, um, right. and these are things that you need to know whether you're medicating your child or not. Um, you know, I, right. there is a lot to be said about medication and, what medication will and, and won't do. Um, but these are issues or, or things that parents need to know uh, that sort of extend beyond that just to sort of inform their base understanding of ADHD mm-hmm. and, and what their child is experiencing and what to expect from their child. That's right. Because when as soon as you raise the topic of ADHD, you're automatically raising the issue of medication. Mm-hmm. And many parents are afraid of medication or they're opposed to medication. What we always tell them is whether or not you choose medication, there are certain things you should be doing with your children. That doesn't put medication, set aside the medication question. There are still things that you should be doing. And you and I always tell parents of of children who are struggling, um, you have to consider sleep, nutrition, and exercise, no matter what else you do. And we always add to that that you need to have a good schedule in your home. Okay, so we're sort of always talking about these things, and it doesn't matter whether you use medication or not. There are certain things you should be doing, and this article really does a nice job of explaining those non-medication things that you should be doing with your children. Right, and that's what I like about this article is that it she really she really um, is very precise, and 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 this kind of precise information is very helpful. Right. 
Yes, because um, you're right. The medication tends to be, or, or really is, the first line of treatment for right. for ADHD. But but medication doesn't teach skills. Medication makes a child's brain available to to learn and to implement skills. It mm-hmm. is it's still up to us to teach the skill, and it's still up to the child to implement the skill. Uh, That's so, right. So. Again, like you said, whether you're doing medication or, or not, these are some important mm-hmm. things that we need to know. Um, and and yeah. I think that the the base thing that we people need to know is that people with ADHD, their brain just works a little bit differently. Um, it, it's not that it's flawed, or it's not like there there's it's you know majorly problematic that that it's you know injured or in any way or anything like that. It just, it just works differently. And knowing how it works differently is going to be important as you're moving forward and raising your kids. That's right. The, these kids are biologically driven. Um, I mean, if you truly have ADHD, it's biologically driven. And we have, oh my gosh, 50 or 60 years worth of research everything from electrophysiologic studies to blood flow studies to MRI studies over and over and over again, clearly document brain differences. It's not brain damage, but it's brain differences in children and adults who have ADHD. So there's no question about that. The question is understanding those differences and what do you do about it? You know, we often tell parents, well, medication is part of the treatment, but there are other things you should be doing. And parents will say, well, what else should I be doing? And this article explains six things that you can do that are extraordinarily helpful and that you should be doing with any child uh, with ADHD. Right. Yeah. Just mm-hmm. because their brain is different doesn't mean that we can't do anything about it. And so, yeah, yes, there's, there's That's right. six things right. that we, we should think about. And the first one is that, and this one is, how many times have we talked to parents about this, that, that people with ADHD... Right tend to perceive time differently. It, right. It's not that they can't tell time, mm-hmm. um, but it's what's oftentimes referred to as time blindness. Right. They right. just lose track of time. They um, have a hard time anticipating or predicting time, but it's, um, it's yeah, again, just a time blindness that, that they struggle right. with. I like the phrase a clockless mind. Right. And and if you've ever dealt with somebody with ADHD, you know exactly what she's talking about because it is absolutely true. They are always late. They're never ready on time. They sleep longer than they should. And it's not because they're being defiant. The clock just isn't running. Most of us, or 80 or 90% of us, you have some sense of time, you know, that, that time is going by. Kids with ADHD don't. And and the phrase a clockless mind really helps because what you have to do is first of all, you have to understand that, that they're not keeping track. Believe me, they're not keeping track of time, bedtime, getting up time, food time, school time. There's no clock in their head. Right. Certainly not the type of clock that we try to keep or that we want them to keep. Uh, When a child gets in with ADHD, especially gets involved in something, you know, People will refer to it as well. They become they become hyper focused on some of right. these, and, and it, they do get entrenched and just really um, involved with things that are very stimulating to them. 
and again, they just lose track of time. They they're not paying attention to that because all of that attention is on that particular right. stimulating activity, and that's all they want to right. pay attention to. That's right. And because they're not because their brains don't keep track of time, you need to provide them with external tools right. so that they can see time passing by. Um, another thing you can do is do what's called buffer time. Buffer time is if if you have to be out of the in the morning, you have to go to school. If you have to be out of the house at seven o'clock, you need to tell these children you have to be ready at 10. Not we're leaving at seven. You have to tell them we're leaving at 10 minutes to seven. Right. So that they're you, you have to build in that buffer because you know they're going to be late. You fight about it every morning. Right. And so you have to build in buffer time. So you need external tools like a like a clock in an open, you know, where they can see it. Um, or you have to have these kind of buffer times. You have to kind of look fib about when you're really leaving. Even adults with ADHD. Um, yeah. One of my, I have a, one of my kids has ADHD, and as an adult, I tell him well, I'm going to be there at seven. That means we have to leave at seven fifteen or seven thirty because he's not going to be ready. I mean, he just right. is not going to be ready. And so I tell him seven because we really need to leave at seven fifteen. But right. then I know that we'll be leaving on time. Right. So that's the first thing that that they don't perceive they perceive time differently. Yeah. This second one I found extraordinarily helpful in in getting the words to talk about this because we we kind of talk about it in clinical settings, but I really like the second one, which is that people with ADHD and it's people, not just kids. It's not that they lack the ability to pay attention; they lack the ability to regulate their attention. Right. And you need to talk about this at some length, Bernie, because yeah. this is really a. I mean, I'm I have a grandson who has ADHD and I'm always giving his father these little I'm going to give his father this one today right. because I want his dad to hear what these people say about this attention issue. Right. You know, and it's so interesting that this is being this was recently written. And, um, and and we haven't really talked about it before, because as soon as I read it, I think back to when I worked in the Department of Psychiatry, there was a, a psychiatrist that I worked with who we didn't really get along um, really well. He, he was <laughs> I remember those years. You guys used to have some monumental arguments in grand rounds. <laughs> we did. And um, yeah, and we just we just had fundamental differences in our training. And so we perceived things a little bit differently. But one of the things that I appreciate that he always said was that attention ADHD stands for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. Um, and so attention deficit. And he always called that a misnomer. He said really? that he did. Really? He always wow. used that word because it's not that kids with ADHD can't pay attention. It's that they don't really know what to pay attention to. They That's can't right. regulate it. They, they, pay attention to everything. And, mm -hmm. and so when people, you know, they say, well, why do we use stimulant medications for kids who can't sit still and can't pay attention? Well, it just so happens that stimulant medications stimulate this area of the brain that serves as a filter so that right. they can differentiate. This is what I need to pay attention to. And this is what I can ignore. Right. And there's a, there's an area of our brain that does that, that helps with that at least. And it, it filters out that so that we can say, no, I, I don't need to pay attention to the cars and everything happening outside. I can pay attention to, to the teacher talking right here in front of me. And right. so it's not that they can't pay attention. 
I, I used the word hyper-focused a few minutes ago. Right. They, mm-hmm. they can focus really well when it's something that they're really interested in, when it's something that really right. is stimulating to their brain. But it's not that they can't pay attention. It's that they can't determine what is the most appropriate thing to pay attention to right now and control it in a way that they can sustain it. That's right. And that's what they can't. So just like they can't perceive time, they don't perceive time. They don't they don't regulate their attention. They don't send it to where it's supposed to be. And um, I, I think this is such a critical. I love the idea of the word deficit is really a misnomer. It, it's going to lead you down the wrong path because it's really not a deficit. The problem is they don't regulate, they don't direct it, they don't they don't put their attention to where it's supposed to be, and they have all this clutter in their heads. You know, right. and they're overwhelmed by it. These kids come home and they're exhausted by the end of a school day because they've been bombarded all day with all this attention uh, because they're attending to everything. Right. And how many times have we talked to parents and they're so frustrated because they say, "No, there's there's no way this can be ADHD because he can right. sit." play on his video games for hours, but he can't read a book, you know, can't read a page out of the book without, you know, being distracted. And and And, that's the, that's the reason. And I love that idea because people, and they always say that, well, he can focus on video games. Yes. Because he cannot regulate his attention. So exactly the same problem. The hyper-focus is not an asset for these kids. It's part right. of the problem because right. they get focused on one thing and they can't tear themselves away. They can't stop focusing. Right. That is to say they can't regulate their attention. So, you know, you, we use the term involuntary deviance, and this is a wonderful example of that, that the inability to regulate is part of that involuntary deviance. Right. Now, the third one is one that that I really like, and and that is um, that parents, oftentimes when you're giving your child with ADHD directions or instructions to do something, for them at least, your directions are probably a little bit too vague. Um, Parents, you know, when you're working with a kid with ADHD, you have to be very specific. It's not, you know, go get ready for bed. That could be all <laughs> kinds of different things. You can imagine. I mean, when I read that phrase, go get ready for bed. That is so, <laughs> those kids have no idea what that means. I mean, I can tell you that that's just one of those. Yeah. I can't do it with that. Yeah. But you could say, go brush your teeth, go put on your Go right. You, you give a, a one direction. They go and do that, and they mm-hmm. come. Okay, now you need to t- put on your pajamas. They go do that, and they come back. Okay, right. now get a drink of water. You, you know, one step at a time. Mm-hmm. But it has to be very specific. The more vague, um, the right. more overarching the the direction is, the more likely it is that they're going to get lost in 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 the midst of things and not get done what you need them to get done. That's right. BS, BS, very short, very simple. Just do one, just let's just accomplish this one thing. We all, you know, it comes up, uh, Russ Barkley always talks about rewarding kids for the things that they do well. Well, if you're giving kids very simple directions, you know, brush your teeth and they go do that, then you can reward them, not pay them or give them something, but you can acknowledge the success. Okay, great. Okay, we're that's great. Now let's put on your pajamas. They do that. Okay, that okay. We're we got it going. We're we're heading in the right direction. 
And, but you have to do these things one at a time because to say to a kid, you know, go out and put your butt and do yeah. not going to happen. You're, you're going to find them building with Legos or, or on their phones or iPads because they are not going to do multiple directions. Right. Yeah. You say, go get ready for bed. And you walk in and he's playing with his Legos. What are you doing? Well, I'm putting my Legos away. No, <laughs> you're building something with your Legos. Yeah. Well, I just needed to put them away. So you're, you're hyper-focusing on your Legos rather than getting ready for bed. Getting ready for bed is just, it's too overwhelming. It's too vague. Right. It's too, there's too many things that they have to do in what feels like a simple Right. direction you know go get ready for bed well to us it's very sensible you brush your teeth put on your pajamas get a drink go to the bathroom not for them no. and and the same thing with you know go do your homework and that, that's the that's right. the nice thing is that we need to make sure that we have yeah. the right tools and strategies to make homework less miserable less of right. a, less of a struggle and, and fight every night in the in the home so you you can start right. go uh, do your homework. Right. One of the right. easy ways to to approach this is starting with space, right? Having a, a dedicated spot just for homework right. where there's not a lot of distractions and, and you can do the same thing every day. Oftentimes the kitchen table is a is a nice place to do homework because you know a parent is usually around there somewhere. Um and right. monitor and make sure that they're still doing it. You know, parents, you know, sometimes you have to be a little bit hesitant to send their, your kids to your their room to do their homework because mm -hmm. once again, who knows what's going on in there. Um, right. But you want, to, whatever you do, you want it to be the same way every time. Mm -hmm. It's a bad idea, for example, to do homework in bed. Right. Oh, yes. Yeah. That, that is, is sleep. Sleep. Let's right. not do Let's not do homework in bed. You do homework no. at the table, mm -hmm. sitting up. Uh, you take breaks if you have to, but that's what you have to do. That's right. And then you have to work with your child. So what does your child need to do to pay attention? Some kids need to listen to music. Um, chewing gum keeps your brain more active. What kind of chair do you sit on? I mean, you have to structure the setting so that it works for your child. And it has, but it has to be in a common area. Because right. unless your child is one of those kids who needs absolute silence, and they do get their work done better in the privacy of their bedroom. But you have to work through these things. Most kids with ADHD are not simply going to sit down and get their work done. It's, it's, it's a battle that you're going to be waging every night. And once again, you're going to need visual timers. They have to keep track of their time. They might need to have free, more frequent breaks. But you have to be there to supervise all these things. because They're not going to manage this themselves. Remember, it's just like saying, go to bed, get ready for bed. It's too overwhelming when you say, go do your homework. You have to break this up and make it manageable for them. Right. And that may mean, you know, you work for, you know, 10 minutes, eight to 10 minutes, and then you get up and you stretch for a couple of minutes. Then you work for right. eight to 10 minutes and you get up and stretch. Mm -hmm. Yes, parents, that means that you have to break it up. And that means that there is an interruption sometimes. But look, if they're at eight minutes and they're trying to finish up a problem, don't they don't have to stop right then finish the right. problem then you know take the break and then get back to it but just that little bit of a opportunity to move can help them refocus and reset but yeah you're going to have to be there to help them with that that's right this is one of the it's again it's one of those times of your day when you're going to have to think about 
the challenges that they face as they sit down to do homework mm -hmm. after a very exhausting day at school with all the other after school activities they have, you're going to have to structure this for them. Um, and it's going to have to be the entire event is going to have to be structured, which leads us to the fifth point that they make in this thing. What we're saying here, whether it's bedtime or homework time or wake time, doesn't matter. The parents are going to um, the parents are going to be working very hard mm -hmm. to work through these different things for years and years and years until all of this becomes routine. So the fifth point that we're making is yes all of this means more work for you absolutely yeah the when a child's brain can't perform certain functions mm -hmm. it, it's sort of left to the parent to serve those functions and so you know when your child was very small and couldn't walk we walked for them we carried them and we moved them around when they couldn't feed themselves we fed them so when you have a child with ADHD and they can't organize their, their day or they can't, you know, no, they can't regulate their attention as we've been talking about. They can't regulate their behavior. They, they are hyperactive and impulsive and they keep moving and everything. When their frontal lobe isn't doing what it needs to do to regulate those things, the parent must serve or someone needs to serve as the child's frontal lobe. We have to be there right. to organize for them, to structure for them. And I'm not saying that, you know, I'm not talking about being a helicopter parent or a snowplow or lawnmower parent or anything like that. I'm not, we're not talking about doing everything for them. We're talking mm -hmm. about those areas, those things that they can't do. Right. We have to provide some of that for them. Uh, we we right. can't expect them to do something that they just can't do. Right. But this this brings up this whole issue of parenting. Um, when we did the talk about social media, we kept saying parents have to parents have to regulate this. Parents, you have this job. Parenting is a is more than a full time job. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you have an infant, you're going to get up every couple of hours at night, so your your life is going to be disrupted. And we sort of accept that. Everybody accepts that as part of my responsibility as a parent. My sleep is going to be interrupted until the infant learns how to sleep through the night. Um, well, guess what? That never ends. When they're, they're terrible twos, it's different. It's it, You're going to have different responsibilities. They go to school, different responsibilities. They become teenagers, different responsibilities. They become young adults. I just had to move my daughter from one place to another. Your responsibility... And being a full-time parent never ends. The task changes right. as the child matures. But yeah, your life is going to be interrupted. And this is going to take a lot of effort. And you just have to be willing. If you're a parent, it's, it's more than a full-time job. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm sorry. It just is. You have to be integrally involved in all aspects of your children's lives. Um, it's more than just going to soccer games and, and little league games. Um, you're, you're going to have to invest a lot of time and a lot of effort in helping these kids manage. You said it at the beginning, you were talking about brain differences and you're saying that part of the brain in the frontal lobe, we know that's where the problem resides. You know, right. we know that it's a frontal lobe problem and that frontal lobe is going to take a long time to mature you know, we talk, everybody knows now that it's in your mid-20s before it finally matures. You've all heard that. But with these kids, 
you add this additional layer mm-hmm. of it's not just maturity, it's that they're always going to be lagging behind. And right. as a parent of a child with ADHD, you're going to have to be willing to put in this extra time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the final point that they make that she makes in this article, which I, again, think is a very good point, is that anything that you're doing to help your child with ADHD, all these things that we're talking about and more for your other kids too. (laughs) Taylor, your parenting to the kid that you have, not the, not some ideal or some, you know, right. Yeah. um, How it's supposed to be, you know, you should be like this. You're like you are. It's, It's not, it's not a should issue. Right. So if you, you have two kids and one of them needs to do their homework at the kitchen table, but the other can do their homework in their bedroom. That's right. OK. That that, that right. works. Um, but you 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 provide the level of support that they need based upon their needs. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. It doesn't have to be cookie cutter. Right. The same thing for everyone. And so all of these things from the structuring to the remembering that, you, you know, sometimes they're going to have difficulty regulating their attention. Um, all of these things are the same for all kids. It's a little bit more challenging for kids with ADHD, uh, but but it's the same for all kids. That's right. When, you know, when we talk about diet and sleep and exercise, one of the first things we say to parents is you're going to have to have a schedule. Mm -hmm. We want you to have a regular schedule, do the same thing at the same time. Because once you kids, once you get your children used to doing things in the same way at the same time in the same place, it makes life much easier because you're not having putting out these fires all the time. Right. Well, every kid needs that. Every kid needs that kind of a schedule. It it, it benefits every child to know that I'm going to come home and have a snack, go out and play, do my homework, then have dinner, then get ready for bed. Do that every day in the same way at the same time, and it really helps kids to learn how to manage their lives. Remember, we talked earlier about it's that they don't regulate their attention. They don't regulate their schedule. And it would help every child to, to be shown how to regulate their schedule. Absolutely. So, so whatever you do with kids with ADHD will benefit all the children that you raise. That's right. So, well, I we hope that this helps, um, uh, you know, again, when new things come out about ADHD, we always like to talk about it because, you know, it, it is a pretty... It continues to be a very uh, prevalent uh, situation, right. condition that we see with kids and a struggle that a lot of parents experience. So right. uh, whenever there's updates, we like to share with share those. And this was one of those good things. So there is the, a link in the show notes to the article from the Huffington Post, uh, and we encourage you to check it out. So, right. Yep. All right. Well, that is it. Good job. Hey, yes. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid.